one of the things that I've found is difficult for addicts to accept is the impact that betrayal has on the spouse. They're kind of like, well, I've, you know, I've said I'm sorry, so get over it. We're talking about trauma and trauma is not healed through kind of a trite apology. Welcome to Coffee with a Couple Cure, where we share practical tips for your relationship before you finish your first cup. Here's Jay and Lori Pyatt. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with a Couple Cure. I'm Jay. And I'm Lori. Today, we're going to be talking about step 12. Step 12 says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. And... Step 12 is, you know, we, through steps 1 through 11, we've had a spiritual awakening. And now that we've had a spiritual awakening, just like it says in the Gospels, you know, go on to others and, and preach this good news to them. And the the AA backbone, the NA backbone, um, they're very conscious of not advertising. They want it to be a... Um, uh, program of attraction. So by how we live, others being interested in, huh, you know, you used to be a real mess and now you're not. Can you tell me how you got there? You know, and so the, um, you know, the way we take this message to others is in how we live in engaging with other people's um, messiness when necessary, and um, to continue to practice these principles in all of our affairs. It's one thing to say, well, I'm not using anymore. It's another thing to say, I'm not using and I've improved my relationships and I continue to work on my character defects. And, you know, many other steps that we can take to improve how we interact with life in general, right? So when when we talked about um, step six and removing our character defects, we realized that some of those were powerless over as well. And mm-hmm. so we have to practice that same principle over those character defects. And that's, you know, continuing to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Um, When it comes to acceptance, uh, like in step one, you know, we accept that we're powerless. When we do that with our relationships, understanding that other people are going to be the way they are Mm -hmm. and we're powerless to change or control those situations and we can live in acceptance instead of getting angry or instead of shutting them out or, you know, any of the other behaviors that we've had in the past. Well, before we move on, I want to circle back to what Jay just said about we're powerless to change others' behavior. That's true. We can't crawl, like I could never crawl into Jay's brain and change it for him, yet I could hold him to the standard that he set, and that is I want a better relationship with you. Mm -hmm. So there there is a place to, just like the Bible says, encourage, rebuke, exhort, admonish, um, teach, uh, all those things. We're, we're told to do those things. Mm -hmm. Yet I do think that there's a point at which we go, okay, I tried that. It's not working. Now I need to 
kind of back off and work on myself and, and let them, uh, you know, let God deal with them. But there, I found until a woman does those things, she's not going to be at peace until mm-hmm. she tries at least. Uh, so that's kind of where I believe the 12 steps don't really work for the betrayed spouse whose husband says, no, but I do want a better relationship with you. Because right. again, like we've said time and time again over these recordings, the 12 steps is not necessarily to help heal relationships after betrayal. It's for addiction recovery. Right. So um, take that last thing that Jay said with, yeah. with a kind of a further knowledge into how the 12 steps are different than um, rebuilding trust after betrayal. Right. Yeah, they are a spiritual program of becoming a mature person, of dealing with things in a better way. But it does not, yeah, it does not talk specifically um, how to go about doing some of that. So, yes, you can change my behavior by holding boundaries and or at least encourage me to change my behavior Mm -hmm. Um, for the addict. Uh, practicing these principles is a is an acceptance thing that that someone who I'm in uh, somewhat regular relationship they're going to continue you know a family member whatever mm-hmm. and so uh, there is a place to practice acceptance there is a place to to make amends to work on your own character defects and one of those character defects may be how well am I holding the boundaries I'm being asked to hold. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to what Jay just said about acceptance. One of the things that I've found is difficult for addicts to accept is the impact that betrayal has on the spouse. Yeah. Um, they're kind of like, well, I've, you know, I've said, I'm sorry, so get over it. Right. We're talking about trauma and trauma is not um, healed through um, kind of a trite apology. True. So at some point you might have to accept Wow, I this has really hurt this other person that I committed my life to. Yeah. Yeah. So having had a spiritual awakening, um that spiritual awakening for some people it can happen very quickly. Just like Paul on the road to Dis- Damascus, we can be brought to a spiritual transformation rather quickly for some people uh, I'll go back to uh, one of the two writers of of the AA Big Book, either Dr. Bob or, or Bill W., said he never really felt a huge spiritual change. Mm. And yet uh, he sponsored something like 5,000 people in the, in the remainder of his life, and he created a program that obviously has had enormous spiritual impact. So something happened there, but it just was not at the speed or the level that he felt significant. Uh, and and I remember the same thing from Mother Teresa, who said, you know, after receiving her call, she never heard from God again. Oh, wow. You know, so for her, it was a daily walking out a a, a silence that still had a huge spiritual impact. Mm -hmm. So for you, whether it's fast or slow, it is a process. And each one of those steps um, 
just because just because you run to the Bible and open the Bible and start reading it every day doesn't mean that you've necessarily had a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not called into ministry or doing something spectacular, doesn't mean you haven't had a spiritual awakening. It's just, it's very different for each person. Right. Uh, so th the next line says, we tried to carry this message to others. And <clears throat> what Romans 12, 21 says is, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the, the basic idea behind step 12 is when you're feeling tempted is to reach out and help somebody else. Because when we are focused on ourselves, our own thinking, our temptations, all of those things tend to grow versus focusing on someone else. And then we get a little bit of perspective that our problems aren't so bad, right. that the situation we're in, um, you know, we will get through. And in helping another person, we're... Um, turning away from the temptation. We're, we're getting out of the particular thought patterns that we used to have, reaching out to another person, going to a meeting. Behaving differently, basically. Yeah, behaving differently is the way to change our thinking because our own thinking is, is the problem. Right. Before we move on, yeah. I have a special... Um, I've seen guys take that part of this particular step and completely miss their wives in it. One of the people you can not really carry this message to as far as um, wife, you need to change your ways or you're doing it wrong. But one of the people you can serve is your wife. Mm -hmm. And like we've said numerous times, it has to be different than through these 12 steps, you need to be careful of her trauma and kind of go at her speed. But what I've seen guys do is they focus on ministering to others, becoming a sponsor, and then completely miss her and use this step as a reason to completely miss her. Your wife needs your patience, your attention to the issue. You're, you're helping her heal the relationship. Mm -hmm. You're helping her heal her heart. Um, so don't miss her by thinking you have to hurry up and sponsor somebody. Yeah, that, that is a big thing. Ministering to others begins at home, right? It, it is easy to go to a meeting. It is easy to talk to a complete stranger. It is difficult to talk to your spouse. We are not called to do easy stuff, mm -hmm. you know, not, not in recovering uh, our marriages, not in being recovering addicts, we're called to do difficult things. Even in the Christian life, he wouldn't tell us to endure and overcome and persevere if it were easy. Right, right. And so the, uh, you know, yes, practice these principles in all of your affairs beginning at home and keep, there's, there's a definite balance. And Mm -hmm. You don't have to run a 12-step meeting. You don't have to sponsor a dozen guys. You can just pick up the phone and call someone. Um, you can sit down with one of your children and help them with their homework. That's practicing these principles mm -hmm. in all of your affairs. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about staying in the recovery-only kind of mindset. Right. And the whole, I mean, I think Jay really touched on something, the hardest place it will be to practice these principles, the humility, the 
the character change, all those things will be in your closest relationships. That typically looks like the relationship with your spouse and the relationship with your children, possibly parents, possibly siblings. Right. But it's in all of our affairs, not just the ones that are easy. Right. And I was wearing a mask when I was using. I can fall back into that role of wearing a mask while practicing step mm-hmm. 12. Mm-hmm. I can look like a certain type of guy to the whole rest of the world and my family know a much different experience of me. Right. So to practice these principles is going to be quite different for each person. For me, it did, um, I did need to engage in meetings because I was isolating myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought I had this under control on my own. And being in meetings was a good way for me, number one, to give back. And number two, uh, to be humble enough to sit in a meeting and say, I don't have it all figured out. You know, to, to not go through life trying to prove to everyone, well, you know, I don't need to go to meetings because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm just above that. That's not true. So there, there is that aspect of it. Before we move on on yeah. that, one thing I also want to caution y'all on is if you go to a meeting and like say you've gotten free from porn, it's going to be rare. So they're going to be looking to you like, how do I do this? And they're going to kind of put you on a pedestal. It's difficult to be honest in one of those kind of meetings where they're looking to you for the answers. Mm. Um, So what I suggest is if you do lead a meeting like that and you are kind of put on a pedestal and you don't feel like you can be honest, then find another meeting with maybe guys who are a little bit more um, honest about their struggles where you can be honest as well. Right, right. And I've seen that in, in many of the meetings I've attended that there's there's kind of the general meeting and then there's a meeting of guys who, um, you know, they recognize that that meeting is not enough for them. And so the first meeting, you mean? yeah, the, the first general meeting for the, for the newcomers, that's a great thing. And we need to offer that. There's also a meeting for the people who've been in this for a while, a little bit more hardcore, a little yeah. bit more sobriety there. Yeah. Where, where, again, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. And and the newcomer, he may say something that reminds me of what I need to do in my recovery, but he's not necessarily the iron that I need to stay sharp. Mm-hmm. The scriptural component that's coming to mind for this is the uh, time where Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, of course, that's a paraphrase. I don't have it right in front of me, but... It's like living. The abide is living in me, and my words live in you to a point where it changes your character. It changes how you behave. So to me, that's what this is about, going back to, you know, um, Dr. Bob or uh, whichever guy you you mentioned earlier who had sponsored 5,000 people. He didn't have this Damascus Road experience, yet he did bear fruit because Mm -hmm. he stayed in it. He stayed, he continued to practice these principles in all his affairs. Right. So 
I think that wraps it up for this episode. Please make sure that you like the video, leave any comments down below. And on the next episodes, um, episodes 13 through 17, we're gonna uh, just look at different aspects of it since we're finished with the actual steps themselves. So stay tuned and we'll see you guys on the next episodes. Bye now. Bye.